Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us in tonight's telephone town hall event. My name is Tanya Furr. I am the MLA for Calgary Pagan, and I will be moderating tonight's conversation and discussions. Um, we'll go, we're going to start with some brief uh, opening comments from the ministers joining us and then open, open it up for questions from, from you. Uh, a reminder, or to let you know if you'd like to get into the queue to ask a question to one of our ministers, please press star three on your keypad and you'll be connected with an operator that can assist you to get into the queue to ask your questions. Again, that's star three on your keypad to ask a question. So I'd now like to introduce our speakers that are going to be on the call with us tonight on this telephone town hall. We have the Minister of Affordability and Utilities and the MLA for Calgary Southeast, Matt Jones, the Minister of Children's Services and MLA for Calgary Cross, Mickey Amory, the Minister of Seniors, Community and Social Services and MLA for Calgary Klein, uh, Jeremy Nixon, and joining us shortly will be the Minister of Advanced Education and MLA for Calgary Bow, Dimitrios Nikolaides. So I'm going to pass it over to Minister Jones and the other ministers to provide some opening comments as we continue to have people join us on this call. Uh, once again, uh, please press star three on your keypad uh, to get into the queue to ask a question. Minister Jones, over to you. Thank you, MLA Fur. Uh, good evening, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to be here tonight. My name is Matt Jones and I'm the Minister of Affordability and Utilities. I'm joined tonight by my colleagues, Mickey Amory, Minister of Children's Services, Jeremy Nixon, Minister of Seniors, Community and Social Services, and Dimitrios Nikolaides, the Minister of Advanced Education. We are thrilled to have a chance to answer your questions about what we're doing to make life more affordable for Albertans. It's been a busy few months for this government and for the entire province. I know that you have many questions and we also want to hear your ideas. We know that record inflation and the associated increases to cost of living are putting pressure on everyone. Affordability is consistently the primary issue identified by Albertans, and we want to help. That's why the Affordability Action Plan has been a top priority for our government, to help Albertans, particularly our families, seniors, and our most vulnerable, pay their bills and save money for, for what really matters. Over the last few months, we've been rolling out a growing list of broad-based and targeted supports to help make life a little bit easier. Ongoing and uh, immediate inflation relief to date includes up to $500 in electricity rebates. In fact, most Alberta households are receiving a $75 rebate on this month's electricity bill, the same amount they received on January's bill last month. Hundreds of dollars uh, are available in potential fuel tax savings over the next six months as, we, as we've suspended the 13 cent per liter uh, provincial fuel tax. We also have several new affordability supports which were announced this morning uh, for post-secondary students, which Minister Nicolaides will expand on. We've made increases to core support programs, which Minister Jeremy Nixon will touch on. And we've also increased the child and family benefit and expanded affordable childcare, which is really important right now. And Minister Amory will highlight these changes. We've also prevented further increases in auto insurance until January of next year and retroactively provided income tax relief so that you will owe less tax or receive a larger refund come tax time. Taken together, these broad measures are saving the average Albertan household up to an estimated $900 or more. But there's more on top of that. In recognition of the particular hardship that inflation has placed on families with dependent children, seniors on lower and often fixed incomes, 
and on vulnerable Albertans on core support programs, we are providing up to $600 in affordability payments to these groups over the next six months. I'm proud to report that more than 1 million Albertans have already received or are enrolled to receive these affordability payments. We have taken real action and we're happy to answer your questions about any of these initiatives. And we know that the job isn't done yet. Going forward, we will continue working to help those who are struggling with cost of living pressures and strive to keep Alberta affordable. We look forward to answering your questions and hearing what you think should be our next priorities in the weeks and months ahead. And now I'd like to turn it over to Minister Jeremy Nixon to say a few words. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome. Uh, thank you for being here today. Looking forward to hearing your questions and, and thoughts on how we can continue to work towards addressing affordability challenges uh, for you and for our communities. Uh, as Minister of Seniors, Community and Social Services, um, it's very important to me that we're working towards addressing affordability challenges, especially for our most vulnerable. Uh, I've spent a lot of time in my own constituency at the doors and here uh, door after door about some of the challenges that people are facing, especially for seniors uh, and low-income individuals on fixed incomes. So this is a priority for us, and uh, some of the things that we've been able to do uh, in the last couple months is we did increase all core supports, uh, increased payments for, for AISH, uh, income support, senior benefits. And not only did we increase these uh, one time, but we've also indexed these. So they will now increase year over year with the cost of living so that people can keep up. Some of the other things that we've done to address some of the affordability challenges and food security for those who are in immediate crisis is we've added $10 million this year and $10 million next year towards our food banks as well as partnered with a number of different not-for-profit and cultural and community groups to help address food scarcity and challenges in our community. Uh, one of the other things that we've done recently is we've expanded the low-income transit passes in our communities, understanding how critical it is for people to have an affordable way uh, to be able to get around their community. Uh, the other things that we've done recently is we've uh, added more money towards affordable housing as well as rent supplementals uh, program uh, to make sure that people who are struggling to pay rent and afford to live in our community, get the extra support that they might need. And lastly, uh, we did increase a number of social sector wages. Uh, people who work with our most vulnerable in our community uh, have also been struggling to put food on their tables. So we've increased wages for those in the disability sector as well as in the, the homeless serving sector to help make sure we address some of those challenges. So looking forward to hearing uh, further ideas and thoughts from you on how we can help address affordability crisis in our community. And now I'd like to hand it over to Minister Amory, Children's Services Minister. Thank you. Hello and good evening everyone. Thank you for taking the time to dial in today. My name is Mickey Amory and I am honoured to serve as Minister of Children's Services for this great province. I am happy to join Minister Jones, Minister Nixon, and Minister Nicolaides for this opportunity to hear your questions and feedback on our affordability initiatives. I am proud of our affordability action plan and the direct supports we have started rolling out to those who need relief right now. This inflation crisis has meant hard times for our families. We want to see kids learning, playing, and focusing on kids' stuff, not losing sleep, over their parents' bills. We refuse to allow kids to pay the price for inflation. I am happy to see that in the very first month of our affordability payment rollout, supports are already flowing to benefit nearly 510,000 children in this province. We are also making high-quality childcare affordable for families in Alberta. Through our unique Made in Alberta childcare plan, 
we are providing an additional 22,500 flexible childcare options and lowering fees for parents all over the province. I believe one of the best ways to support kids is to take some time off of the pressure for, uh, from their parents. And this is exactly what we're doing with our affordability initiatives. I want kids to just be kids. I am looking forward to hearing from all of you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, uh, Minister Amory. Uh, I know that uh, people are joining our, our call minute by minute here. So for those of you that have just joined us, um, we're hearing introductory uh, comments and remarks from our several ministers that are joining us tonight. Um, Minister Matt Jones, Minister Mickey Amory, Minister Jeremy Nixon, and soon to be joining us, Minister Demetrius Nicolaides. Um, before uh, we move on to start asking some questions, I want to remind everyone, especially those that have just joined us, to ask a question to any of our ministers tonight on any of the affordability measures related to their portfolios, please press star three on your keypad to have an operator assist you to get your question into the queue. Again, that's star three on your keypad. So let's get started with um, the first question. Uh, we're going to have Sue from Calmar. She's got a live question for Minister Jones. Sue, hi there. Go ahead with your question hi. for Minister Jones. Um, my question is, what are you doing for average middle-class Albertans whose heating and electricity bills are through the roof? I have a bill of $800 for this month alone in my property, and it's not unusual. All my neighbors are feeling the same thing. Uh, thanks for the question, Sue. And we've certainly heard a lot of concern over uh, rising utility bills. And, and we've actually taken uh, action to uh, provide support on both electricity and natural gas. So on the electricity side, uh, Albertans have been receiving, uh, most Albertans, about 2 million households across the province, have been receiving electricity rebates on their monthly bills. Uh, these will total $500 from July 2022 until April 2023. They average about $50 a month, although January and February of this year will be $75 rebates. So that's on the electricity side. On the natural gas side, we have a natural gas price protection uh, or rebate program put in place. And what that means is that if, if natural gas prices in Alberta ever exceed $6.50 a gigajoule, Albertans will receive a dollar-for-dollar dollar credit on the natural gas portion of their bill for, for the price difference above six fifty a gigajoule. And we have seen that in Europe and other places around the world. Uh, so that will protect Albertans from price shocks. We've also implemented a, a price ceiling and deferral on, uh, on RRO electricity rates. And what that will do is take extremely high bills in January, January, February, and March, and spread that out at no cost to the, uh, to the consumer because the government is pr providing 0% interest loans to the RO providers to provide this uh, protection so that they can pay those, those amounts on uh, lower bills in the subsequent months just to help with bill stability and affordability over this, uh, this hard winter. So again, uh, $500 in electricity rebates, We've put uh, natural gas price protection in place, and we've also taken measures to, to add bill stability to the regulated rate option. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Uh, next, we have a question that's come in from uh, Barbara online for Minister Amory, and uh, she's asked me to read it here. What is your plan to make daycare affordable? I'm on a wait list of over 500 children on several daycares. Minister Amory? 
Thank you very much, uh, Emily Fern. Thank you for the question. We are absolutely committed to working uh, towards providing affordable daycare for all areas of this province. We've recently worked out a uh, cost control framework, which is really the next step to creating affordable childcare spaces. Because what it does is it includes or allows for uh, private and not-for-profit operators to be eligible for funding under the Alberta-Canada-wide early learning childcare agreement. And what this really means is that daycare operators in this province, whether they are private or not-for-profit, will be able to utilize some of the federal funding to uh, subsidize daycare costs in this province. We're also working together with our operators to do the same provincially. And our goal is ultimately to achieve the $10 per day daycare on average throughout this province by 2026. By allowing the private and not-for-profit operators to work within this province under that framework, we are looking forward to offering many more spaces in the months and years to come. And we certainly are laser focused and committed on achieving that $10 a day goal uh, shortly here soon. And so we're excited about the news that's coming forward. There's much more to come, both to support parents and to support operators. We want to see them thrive. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so the next question we have, we've got a live caller, uh, Roger, from uh, Capitol Hill in Calgary. He's got a question for uh, Minister Jeremy Nixon. Roger, go ahead with your, your question, please. Ministers, I appreciate the work you do in your civilized approach. For the homeless, is there any possibility they could get a one-room apartment with a shower, a toilet, and a stove and fridge? Because we know that if people have their own place, their mental health improves and their chances of full-time employment are much better. Secondly, for partners in dispute where there's violence, it's not good for the children to hear it. What are the options for them to go to a secure place rapidly with the children, perhaps that's well guarded, while the problem is sorted out? Ideally, the offending member who's violent should be invited to go to the small apartment and the others stay in the home. Uh, how are you coming along on this? Yeah, so thank you uh, for, for your question and, and your passion on this issue. Uh, obviously uh, an issue that's, uh, that's a, a deep concern uh, for, for myself as well and making sure that people have a warm, safe place to be, especially when they're, they're fleeing domestic violence. So to answer your first question around homelessness, uh, we have been working very closely with our homeless uh, shelter providers uh, through funding of different programs like rapid rehousing uh, so that we can quickly help people move out of shelter into community. Uh, the challenge there is we're dealing with a very large bottleneck when it comes to affordable housing options. And uh, as we've seen a very large net increase of, of people moving to Alberta, it's also eaten up a lot of the rental market as well, affordable units. So uh, that's why before Christmas I announced $55 million to expand out new affordable housing projects across the province. Uh, granted, that does take time. Uh, so we will continue to uh, expand and work with, use our, our rent supplement program as well to just make sure that there are housing options available for people that are looking for it. The other thing on the homeless front, and uh, we know um, a big challenge for many facing uh, or experiencing homelessness in our community is addiction and mental health. And we continue to invest heavily in improving overall addiction and mental health supports. 
Yesterday, we just announced $4 million uh, in a partnership with the Drop-In Centre to expand uh, medical detox for individuals. Uh, we've expanded out 8,000 treatment spaces across the province, as well as removed any fees associated with accessing those supports. So I think there's a multi-pronged approach uh, in addressing homelessness, uh, one on the housing side of things and the other on, on the addiction and mental health side of things. So. In regards to domestic violence, uh, anybody that is currently in a situation where they're uh, facing abuse and uh, in a home, I, I, I want everybody to know that there is immediate support for them now. And if they call and ask for help, it will be there. Uh, we, of course, partner with a number of different uh, women shelters, second state shelters across the province um, that do excellent work. And uh, we are expanding those services as well recently working with a program called Ruth's House, for example, that provides supports for uh, folks in the African community uh, that uh, provide culturally appropriate supports. So that's going to continue to be a priority. And, uh, and um, the, uh, But again, if, if for whatever reason there isn't space at the women's shelters, there will be options as well in regards to putting people up in hotels and providing uh, supports as well for them there because we know that they can't uh, continue to stay in an abusive environment for the reasons you noted. So thank you for the question. Thanks, Minister, and I'll, I'll just uh, add a comment. As the Parliamentary Secretary for Status of Women, I had the opportunity to work closely with several ministers, including Minister Nixon and Minister Luan, and I just want to echo what uh, Minister Nixon said about the, the importance of providing supports uh, for these very important uh, matters and issues and, and service providers. So, um, A reminder once again, uh, star three uh, on your keypad, if you'd like to get into the queue to ask a question. I know we continue to have people uh, join us coming into the call, so I just want to keep uh, reminding folks who haven't heard it yet, please press star three on your keypad to get into the queue to ask, speak to an operator who will assist you to get your question into the queue. And just before we move to the next question, uh, we have now had Minister of Advanced Education and MLA for Calgary Bow, Demetrius Nicolaides, join us. He was coming here straight from another event. Um, so Minister, I'm just going to pass it to you to uh, make a few opening comments. Yeah, Tanya, thank you so much, and um, and thank you for, for accommodating uh, me here, and uh, good evening to everyone. Thank you for uh, joining and participating in this important town hall. Uh, you know, uh, we, of course, have um, just, just made some new announcements um, earlier today, this morning, in fact, uh, with, with my colleague, um, Minister Jones, our Minister of Affordability, uh, to introduce some new measures to support our post-secondary students during these uh, inflationary times. Of course, uh, high inflation has made life more expensive for all of us, and uh, that includes our post-secondary students. And so with the measures that we announced today, uh, I'm very confident that we'll be able to help all students deal with uh, some higher costs that they're experiencing during these uh, very challenging times. I'll just provide a very quick and high-level uh, overview and summary of some of the measures that we announced today. Uh, I'll try to be quick, but there, there were five of them uh, that, uh, that we rolled out to, to help and support our post-secondary students. Uh, first and foremost, we've uh, made some adjustments to the Alberta Student Grant. The Alberta Student Grant is a grant that's specifically tailored for low-income individuals and about 10,000 low-income students receive this grant. And we will be increasing that, the uh, grant amount by $225 a month for uh, all eligible uh, participants. And again, that, that affects about 10,000 post-secondary students. We are also increasing the thresholds for the repayment assistance plan. 
the uh, repayment assistance plan is available for student loan borrowers who are finding challenges in uh, making their student loan payments. Um, and currently, you have to have an income of $25,000 or lower in order to qualify for that program. We've moved that uh, threshold up to $40,000, and that will make the program available, we estimate, to about 16,000 additional post-secondary students. And again, that's there if they need it. If they're finding some difficulty or challenges in making their student loan repayments, they can, um, they can get in touch with the Ministry of Advanced Education and the Division of Student Aid to enroll in that program and help smooth out their, their payments. Um, in addition, we currently offer students a six-month grace period after graduation to repay, to begin repaying their loans. Um, that's designed to help students uh, find the appropriate time to uh, find gainful employment and get their feet on the ground before they have to start worrying about making uh, uh, payments back to their Alberta student loans. We're going, we have announced uh, today that we'll be extending that grace period from six months to a year. And that puts Alberta uh, as a leader nationally. There's only one other province in the country that offers students a 12-month grace period, which is Prince Edward Island. Uh, so, so we'll become a leader in that regard in giving students and recent graduates adequate flexibility to uh, to, to, to stabilize their employment opportunities and financial situation. Uh, fourthly, we're also reducing interest rates on student loans. I think we all understand that interest rates have increased, whether you're uh, for your mortgage or other lending products, those have all increased. Uh, currently, student loan rates were set at prime plus 1%. Um, uh, uh, today, we announced that we'll be removing the plus 1% and only the prime rate will apply for student loan borrowers. And lastly, uh, we will, uh, I've also announced today that we will be making an amendment to the Post-Secondary Learning Act to cap tuition increases to a flat 2% beginning for the 24-25 uh, academic year. So I'm, I'm confident, Tanya, um, uh, as you can see here, there's a, a suite of measures that uh, will help post-secondary students because we're, we're all dealing with the increased uh, price of everything uh, due to higher inflation, and, uh, and this will provide students with some relief to weather through these difficult times. Thank you. Thank you so much, Minister. Um, once again, as can people continue to uh, join this live telephone town hall, if you've just joined us, I'd like to remind you, um, if you'd like to get into the queue to, to, to ask a question, uh, please press star three on your keypad, and uh, you'll be connected with an operator that can assist you to get your question into the queue. So next, we have um, a comment from Ann Oki from Red Deer, actually, uh, and Oki has asked me just to read this comment, so I'll read it, uh, followed by uh, a live question for Minister Jones. So, and Oki's uh, comment is, I want to say thank you, I appreciate you very much. And the live caller, uh, we have Lori from Cochrane. Lori's got a question for Minister Matt Jones. Go ahead, Lori. Yeah. Hey, I was just wondering why there isn't any information for yes, it's all great for uh, children, people with children, and people with um, uh, 
people with um, uh, it, it, with student loans. However, there's nothing for seniors. And I'm not quite a senior yet, but I have no probability of getting any money from the government. It's just crazy. Okay, well, uh, thank you for your question, Lori. And uh, in fact, seniors were, were a focal point of our affordability measures. Um, I'd start off by saying that, that seniors are eligible if they're 65 and over and, if I was, and have a household income under 180000 they're eligible for $600 over six months in affordability payments. They're also likely receiving $500 in electricity rebates and 13.6 cents per liter off of their gas and diesel purchases. We've also placed uh, natural gas price protection so that they can heat and power their homes uh, with uh, less stress over the winter months here. And uh, we've also increased core support programs like the Alberta Seniors Benefit, which many seniors are on. So um, actually, uh, seniors are one of the largest recipients of our affordability program, and that was intentional because we know that many of them are lower income and are on fixed incomes. Um, they can't uh, as easily um, increase their income uh, to deal with increasing costs. So uh, that's why we made them a priority in our affordability program. Thanks, Minister. Um, so next we've got a question uh, from Minister Amory. Uh, Gary has submitted his question online, which is, what is the government doing to reduce administration costs for child care operators? Thank you uh, very much, Tanya, and thank you for the question. Uh, we certainly have been working closely with operators and engaging throughout the province to find out what pressures uh, they are experiencing. And what I'm hearing uh, constantly is that there are pressures in the areas of finding affordable leases, securing a workforce, and the administrative burdens of operating a daycare. And so we're working certainly on some of the policies, which I hope to announce very shortly to help alleviate some of the financial burdens of administration costs to operators. And we're thoroughly reviewing some of the additional programs that may have existed in the past but no longer exist currently to see if they would uh, work well in the current state of affairs. And I am open to, uh, to introducing some of those programs back again if we receive positive feedback from our operators throughout that uh, province-wide engagement program that we've initiated. I'm working with uh, municipalities both in Calgary and Edmonton and elsewhere to explore uh, options for finding and locating affordable space that the city may not be utilizing or underutilizing. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to introduce new initiatives in the future to, uh, to help uh, provide operators with uh, some options uh, in working with the local municipalities to, to address some of the, uh, the leasing cost pressures that they're experiencing. Also working with the uh, Minister of Education to help explore how we can utilize some of our the vast network of school districts and schools across this province and help improve access to daycare uh, facilities and spaces and workforce through the uh, a joint program or joint uh, efforts between the children's services and education. And finally, we do have uh, we do we do have a space creation grant which um, allows for licensed family day home agencies and, uh, and operators to access up to $50 million in total overall funding 
to allow for them to utilize that to help alleviate some of the cost pressures of starting a uh, childcare facility in this province. So there's a lot of work to do and a lot of work currently happening, and I'm looking very much forward to introducing some of these initiatives uh, to help address some of those um, those uh, financial burdens of administration and other challenges that daycare operators are facing. But I can assure all operators in this province that we are listening carefully and we are working around the clock to make sure that operators in this province are successful and prosperous. Thank you. Thanks so much, Minister. Um, for those of you that have just joined us, I just want to let you know my name is uh, Tanya Fur. I'm the MLA for Calgary Pagan and uh, moderating tonight's live telephone town hall for Albertans. And just a, a reminder for those, again, that have just joined us, uh, the ministers joining us tonight are the Minister of Affordability and Utilities and MLA for Calgary Southeast, Matt Jones, the Minister of Children's Services and MLA for Calgary Cross, Mickey Amory, the Minister of Seniors, Community and Social Services, and MLA for Calgary Klein, Jeremy Nixon, and the Minister of Advanced Education and MLA for Calgary Bow, Dimitros Nikolaides. All right, the next question is a live one. We've got Annie from Calgary joining us uh, with a question. Annie, uh, go ahead. Oh, I guess that must be me. Uh, or if it's is, Anne or Annie, my apologies. Okay. Go ahead. Um, I was. I'm wondering where the the benchmark came for the 180,000 income per year. That's would be about ninety thousand dollars per single person. Um, if I had that much income every year I don't think I would need the hundred dollars so I, I'm just wondering what where where that benchmark came from yeah thank you Anne for the question so we wanted to ensure that the uh, supports for families went to all low and middle income Alberta families and uh, at that threshold that includes 80 percent of Alberta families we've actually excluded the top 20 percent or one-fifth of Alberta families um, and I'll, I'll note that other jurisdictions like Saskatchewan, for example, uh, provide affordability supports to affordability payments to all citizens, regardless of income. Uh, we also wanted to align the 180,000 threshold with our childcare subsidies. So that's the same threshold that is used to determine childcare um, uh, subsidies. And, um, uh, and, and then the, the seniors uh, threshold was made the, the same to, uh, for consistency. But, uh, um, uh, as you can appreciate, um, most of the existing government programming before these affordability supports were rolled out uh, were tailored towards low and lower middle income families. And what we, what we heard at the doors, what we heard in our constituency offices is that families with multiple dependents uh, were struggling under cost of living and inflationary pressures and there were limited government support programs in place for them. Um, so again, uh, we wanted to make sure that all low- and middle-income Alberta families uh, receive these supports, and that's exactly what this threshold does. Thank you. Thanks, Minister. Okay, next we have a live question from uh, Bernie from High River. Bernie, hi. Go ahead with your question. Hi. How are you? Great. Uh, two questions. One, uh, years ago... Ralph Klein, bless his heart, he got us to zero uh, deficit, but he privatized 
all our utilities. We used to get a bill on utilities. If I used 47 bucks worth of gas, I got a $12 charge or whatever. Now we have 10 charges on our utilities. Where's that coming from? I have no idea. You know, it's it's just getting to the point where, you know, the charges are worth use 50 bucks worth of gas and you got 150 bucks worth of charges. So, you know, that's question number 1. Question number 2 is years ago in the 80s as seniors, we agreed, we all agreed that we have to pay taxes. We have to pay taxes to uh, um, uh, whatever, you know, community centers, all that. That's no problem. But if we didn't have children in school, our taxes went down. What happened to that? You know, I'm in my 70s. You know. All right. Thank you for the question, uh, Bernie. Um, so I'd like, yeah, on the utility side, uh, for, for years, Alberta, Albertans have benefited from low electricity rates and very low natural gas rates. And we have seen spikes uh, in both recently due to a number of factors, including global events. Um, so on the, on the electricity side, um, uh, we saw a, a, a huge build of transmission infrastructure in the province under the previous government. And, and that was billions in infrastructure that now Albertans must pay off. We also saw uh, the rapid phase-out of coal generation, and there were costs associated with that, including uh, power purchase agreements and, uh, and some settlements around that. So um, previous government policy choices have contributed to uh, increased costs on your uh, electricity bills that, that now must, must be paid by ratepayers. We are looking at everything from generation to transmission to distribution, all the way down to uh, the retailers that you get your uh, electricity uh, and, uh, contracts through to see if we can find both short-term and long-term long -term affordability relief for Albertans. And I'll, I'll remind you that we are providing uh, up to $500 in electricity rebates. We have put a cap, a natural gas price protection cap at 650 a gigajoule, so you will be compensated should natural gas rise above that rate. So we're taking, we're providing affordability relief. We're evaluating the whole system to see if we can make changes at a policy level um, uh, to provide future uh, utility relief. And um, I don't have uh, an answer for you on uh, your second question, but, uh, but we will take that away. Thank, Thank you. Thanks, Minister. Uh, next, we've got a question from Ron in Calgary. He's asked us to read his question. His question is, I applied for the subsidy. I have been accepted. When will I receive the money? Thank you. And I, I, I'm assuming uh, that you're referring to the affordability payments for seniors. Um, uh, you will receive that uh, either at the end of this month or around 10 days after applying. Uh, assuming that the the information that you entered is is accurate, about 98 or 99 percent of applications uh, were successfully paid. Um, there were a small number uh, where applicants had entered incorrect banking information. We we are in the process of reaching out to that small percentage uh, to uh, to um, inform them of their options for uh, editing that information so that we can pay them. But the program is designed to ensure that even if you uh, miss a payment, um, you can retroactively get that payment on when your next payment is paid. So uh, if you haven't received your payment, you're likely going to get it at the end of this month. And if there's any issues, 
Edit functionality will be made available by the end of this month so that you can correct your banking information and you will get all payments that you were eligible for. In fact, even if you waited until uh, April or May uh, to apply for these benefits, you would receive all of the January, February, March uh, payments with your April or May payment. Thanks, Minister. Okay, next we've got a, a live question. We've got Caleb. Uh, uh, Caleb, your call is your line is open. Go ahead with your question. Uh, hi, this is a probably towards the affordability minister. Uh, will the the six hundred dollars the affordability payments be like serve or we got to pay it back? Um, I know so many people that. They picked up CERB. Even I'm, I was qualified for it, and I'm still fighting uh, that they don't take my money away. But if you know, do we have to pay this back? If or if we don't, how much will this affect low to middle income tax returns? Like, are we declaring this as income? Is this going to be, you know, this might push somebody above that forty thousand uh, dollar mark once they claim it and then they'll owe. Caleb, thank you for the question. And uh, no, you, you will not have to pay back uh, these payments. And we, we passed legislation to ensure that they are uh, non-taxable, so you will not owe taxes on these amounts. And they will also not impact your eligibility for other benefit programs. So the answer, again, is no, these payments are not taxable. They will not affect your eligibility uh, for other government uh, support programs, and, and, and thus you will not be uh, required to pay it back unless you somehow uh, uh, obtain these payments and you're not eligible. But we do have a very sophistic, sophisticated system in place that, that verifies your, your data against your uh, tax filings, 2021 tax filings with the Canada Revenue Agency, uh, to ensure that these payments go to exactly uh, where they're intended. Thank you. Thanks, Minister. The next question is from Christy in Calgary. Her question is for Minister Nixon, and she's asked that I read her question. Will you allow people with no addresses to access full range of social services? Uh, Christy, thank you for your question. Uh, the, the answer to that question is yes, uh, of course, um, and I'm happy to dispel this because I know there was a couple articles uh, earlier that said that folks who didn't have an address were not able to access support. So happy to confirm that, that if you do not have an address that you are still able to be able to access things like income support. And in fact, my past work uh, working uh, at the Mustard Seed and other not-for-profits, that was a big part of the work that we did, was being able to help people get signed up on income support as, as a method to help them move uh, beyond the street. So uh, again, happy to answer your question. It's an absolute yes. Thank you. All right, thank you. So next we've got a live caller, Jack uh, from Calgary. Jack, your line is open. Go ahead with your question. Hi there. Thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you, ministers, for all your hard work. Now, I kind of believe in, you know, you work hard for your money. And, you know, that's something we got to really drill into Albertans. And, and that's how it used to be. And lately I find that we're getting more and more used to handouts. And listen, I understand the economy is bad and inflation is high and people need help. And you got to help where people need help. But to give a bunch of money to anybody making less than 180k a year, I think that's a little, little too generous. Okay. Um, and you may not like me for this, most of the people hearing it. But listen, you go outside anywhere in Alberta, Calgary, Edmonton, Fort Mac, and there's people walking around like zombies. All these 
people who are unfortunately addicted to fentanyl and so forth, uh, they're everywhere. And crime rate is through the roof. Police can't handle it. The ambulances can't handle it. Um, and unfortunately, you know, instead of getting these people out of our streets and into uh, some kind of facilities where they can get methadone and suboxone and get better, I'm in the healthcare field myself, and I see this all the time where, you know, uh, it's just out of control. I think that money that we're just giving out can be better used uh, towards fixing this issue. You know, four or five years ago, we didn't have this massive, massive problem that we're having now. And, 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 and the police and ambulances can't just can't handle it. So I think one thing that you ministers can do is talk to the premier and, and tell him, hey, you know, enough is enough. We got to have some kind of mandatory treatment programs where if we see people that are addicted to fentanyl and heroin and they're on the street, we put them in these programs. We put them in for eight, 10 weeks, whatever it takes, so that they come out clean and we put them in, like the other gentleman was saying, some kind of a housing facility where they're not on the street anymore. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, honestly our promise. Thank you, Jack. So I'm going to take the, the first part of your question, which is around the affordability payments and the, and the threshold. And a reminder that with the, with the current threshold, 80% of families are eligible. We wanted to ensure all low- and middle-income Albertan families receive these affordability payments. And we've excluded the top 20% or one in five Alberta families are not eligible. Um, and uh, I'm going to pass it over to uh, Minister Nixon, who will comment on your, your other question. I appreciate your, your question um, specifically around how, you know, doing more to help people who are struggling with addiction uh, in our communities. And, and that's been a, a primary focus of this government and certainly this new premier, uh, something that uh, we will continue to invest in and, and try to address. I think there's been an underinvestment in recovery over the years, and uh, that's that's part of what's created our challenge. So since we took office, we have worked towards expanding out treatment spaces uh, across the, the province, removing the fees associated with that so when people ask for help, they, they can get help and that money's not a barrier. Uh, we uh, just yesterday announced uh, $4 million uh, in partnership with the Drop-In Centre to uh, create medical detox and, again, an opportunity for people who need that help to, to uh, overcome their addiction can get that help. Um, we are also building out recovery communities across the province so that when people get out of treatment, there's a place for them to go and, and live uh, in recovery. Uh, so this will continue to be what we invest in. Um, the other thing, that I, I'm not sure if you saw the announcement just from a couple days ago as well, uh, we have added uh, sheriffs, uh, worked in a partnership with the Calgary Police and the Edmonton Police to add sheriffs uh, to working towards making sure our streets are safe as well because we've known that there's been a number of concerns around safety on our, our streets. So we will continue to work towards that effort so that we can help people overcome addiction and live a life in recovery. Thank you. And, and also, uh, when you were uh, indicating that you wanted to answer, ask a question, you, you questioned why not uh, put this money uh, towards debt reduction. And I'm happy to report that our government is allocating billions of dollars uh, over the next few years to deficit reduction because we know that only from a strong balance sheet, only from a place of fiscal responsibility can we provide world-class services on a long-term basis to Albertans and respond to affordability inflation crisis of today and the future. So uh, we are doing exactly that uh, while also addressing the immediate priorities of Albertans, and that is putting food on the table. That's getting to and from work, kids to and from school. Uh, thank you very much.
Thanks, Ministers. Uh, a reminder once again, I know throughout this live telephone town hall we have people joining us, so for those new to the call, uh, if you'd like to get into the queue to speak to an operator who can assist you with asking a question, press star 3 on your keypad. Again, that's star 3 on your keypad. So next we've got a question that's come in online from Sheila, uh, and her question is for Minister Nicolaides. Will the government invest in more nursing education for Canadians as well as international students? Sure. Uh, thanks, Tanya. Um, hi, Sheila. Thanks. Thanks so much for the question. It's uh, Dimitri Nicolaides here. Um, yeah. The, the short answer is yes. Um, we're we're doing actually precisely that. In um, in budget 2022 last year, we uh, we actually invested 171 million over um, and earmarked that to be spent over three years to create 10,000 additional spaces in high-demand post-secondary programs. So uh, about 28 million of that money went specifically to healthcare-related programs. It went to create spaces in healthcare aid programs, nursing programs, um, and paramedicine. In fact, I just got an update from, from my team the other day. Uh, we often look at uh, forecasts, uh, you know, labor forecasts, and um, uh, and projections, um, and we were seeing that by 2030, we would be in a position where we would have significant shortages of, of healthcare aides, of nursing staff, and other professionals. But uh, I'm very uh, proud and excited to report that as a result of that uh, that activity we did last year, we're no longer projected to have a shortage of healthcare aides by 2030, and we've cut the projected shortage uh, by 2030 of nurses in half. Um, there's um, there's still more that I think we need to do there, which which we're which we're looking at. Uh, we of course want to do whatever we can to increase spaces at our universities and colleges to help uh, train more nurses, um, doctors, other healthcare professionals, and on the internationally um, educated nurse um, side, indeed. We um, have just recently made an announcement of 15 million in funding to support internationally educated nurses. That money is going to go into two primary buckets. The first bucket is the development of a new bursary whereby internationally educated nurses can access up to $30,000 of non-repayable financial assistance to help cover some of the costs associated with licensing fees, uh, tuition for nurse bridging and upgrading programs, um, and as well, we, with, uh, with the rest of the dollars, we also, we're also expanding the number of spaces that we have at Mount Royal University, Bow Valley College, and Norquest College to create 600 new spaces in their nurse bridging and upgrading programs. And that's available to any and all internationally educated nurses, because I think we can all agree if there are internationally educated nurses in our province, but they're not able to operate at their full skill level because they require additional upgrading, let, let's make sure that they have those opportunities. I, I spoke when I was at Mount Royal with... Um, Two, uh, two students, uh, two internationally educated nurses, one from Lebanon and one from Nigeria, both told me that they had to wait about four to five years before they could get into the required program at Mount Royal University to, to be able to bring their qualifications up to the Canadian standard. With the investment that we just announced, uh, we'll be able to eliminate that wait and, uh, and help those folks be able to operate at their full skill level. Thank you, Minister Nicolaides. 
Um, all right, next we have Ron from Calgary with a question that he would like us to read. I live in a condo. Why am I not getting a rebate for electricity and gas? Thank you, Ron. And Ron, I'm, I'm guessing you're in a, in a condo that has sub-metering or single metering. And, and so for everybody listening, we've been applying electricity rebates directly to Albertans household electricity bills. But in some uh, multifamily uh, uh, facilities like, uh, like condos, um, we only can see one meter and we can't actually see the units or Albertans behind that meter, and thus we don't have a direct bill that we can apply the electricity rebate to. We are exploring an application-based system where uh, Albertans who live uh, behind a sub-meter or single meter may potentially be able to apply for $500 in electricity rebates, and we hope to have more to say on that in the coming weeks. Uh, so it is certainly our intention to expand the electricity rebate uh, to, to those uh, who are not uh, receiving it, who, who may be behind a, a sub-meter or a single meter. Thank you for the question. Thank you. So next we've got uh, a live question from Robert in High River, who has a question for Minister Nixon. Hi, Robert. Go ahead with your question. Yeah, hi, uh, Minister Nixon. Um, I'm kind of actually insulted that uh, somebody that's making 150 or $180,000 a year would get this $600. And uh, if I was to ask what help you're doing for uh, um, Albertans on ACE, you would say, well, we are helping you. We're giving you $600. Uh, a person on ACE makes under $20,000 a year, under $20,000, 19000 and change. And, and, and we're getting the same amount of help that... Uh, Somebody that's making one hundred and fifty or one hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year is getting. Um, Ace has not been increased in several years, and a person on Ace uh, is not even making uh, what Alberta deems minimum wage at fifteen dollars an hour. There, you know, we're not even making fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage, and. And there's no talks of increasing it. It hasn't been increased in several years, and um, and now you're talking about indexing uh, cost of living increase, a cost of living increase on on um, a pittance of a salary anyway. You know, I, I'm yeah, Robert. Thank you for the question. Confused by this. Yeah, thank so, you, thank Robert. You. Yeah, so um, the, I'm just going to comment on, on the threshold again uh, because we've had a lot of people join the call uh, and it is a common question. And I'll turn it over to Minister Nixon who will comment on, on the ways that we are supporting AISH recipients. Um, again, the, the threshold that we've set means that all low- and middle-income Albertan families will receive affordability payments for their kids. It, it includes 80% of Alberta families. We have excluded the top 20% or one in five Alberta families are not eligible for affordability payments based on income. And as you can appreciate, families uh, come in many different shapes and sizes. And so one of the challenges with income thresholds for families is how do you differentiate uh, a threshold for, for say, a, a family with one child versus one with seven. Um, so we aligned it with the child, the federal provincial child care subsidy threshold is 180,000. So we aligned it with that. 
the, the idea being that anybody who's eligible for a child care subsidy probably should be eligible for affordability support related to their children. And again, that's 80% of families, uh, uh, one out of five, top 20% is excluded based on income. Uh, Minister Nixon, can you please comment on H? Yes, thank you, Mr. Jones, and uh, thank you, Robert, for, for your question. Uh, just so you know, Robert, my, my work before politics, uh, I worked with many people who uh, required H, and uh, so I do know how tight it is, uh, and certainly talked to a lot of people in the community as well um, that, uh, that to talk about the challenges of living on an H income. So uh, I appreciate your feedback in that regard, and uh, it's why I've actually always been a fan of, of the idea of indexing H so that it increases year over year uh, with the cost of living. It can keep up and you know what's happened in the past is uh, it's been held and then every five or six years we've got to go beg government for a bump. So what we've done recently uh, is we have uh, actually increased age payments. It was $20,240 a year. It's now $21,444 a year, which is a 6% increase. And uh, we've also indexed it. So next year it'll be higher based off the consumer price index and the year after that it'll be higher and, and so on and so forth. So um, that's good news uh, because it needs to be able to, to increase um, and, and that way people on Asia are not slowly priced out and life doesn't come increasingly more and more affordable as we move forward. Um, I am also pleased to say that I've been meeting, meeting with the, the Federal Minister uh, of Disabilities, uh, Minister uh, Qualtro, uh, as well in, in figuring out how do we address some of the challenges and affordability challenges for the disability community across Canada. Um, the good news is Minister uh, Qualtro is uh, very impressed with Alberta's. We have uh, currently the highest uh, payments uh, for people with disabilities in all of Canada. And uh, her goal is to use us as a benchmark to help people, people get caught up uh, in the rest of Canada and figure out how do we move forward from that. So the other thing I wanted you to know about as well, and just advocating with both Minister, to Minister, Minister uh, Qualtro as well as the, uh, the Housing Minister, uh, is to make sure that Albertans with disabilities aren't left out uh, when it comes to the $500 rental benefit. The federal government put in a cap at $20,000, so anybody that made more than that uh, would not be eligible for the $500 rental benefit, which is uh, unfortunate because at the time, Albertans with disabilities made $20,240 a year. Uh, so they were all left out, and I will continue to advocate to make sure that Albertans with disabilities gain access to that, as well as address some of the larger challenges for Albertans with disabilities in our community. So appreciate your advocacy. Please know I'm fighting in your corner, and uh, thank you. And, and I'll just add that uh, AISH recipients are automatically enrolled in the affordability payments, so they do not have to apply, but they will receive, each AISH recipient will receive $600 over six months on top of the 6% inflationary increase that Minister Nixon referenced. Um, thank you very much. Thank you, Ministers. All right, next we have a live question, uh, Sam from Calgary. Uh, hi, Sam, go ahead with your question. Oh, hi. This is Sam. Uh, my question really is related to the $600 afford affordability payment. Uh, thank you for that. I was able to apply and got the money for that because I have a driver's license. Like my sister has no driver's license, no Alberta Seniors CA ID, and is deceased disabled, so can't go to the registry. So she can't apply. What does he do? Yep, thank you, Sam. Thank you very much for your, your question. Um, so 
there are um, a number of IDs that can be used to, to verify an applicant for our affordability payment program. But what I would suggest in this case is, is that uh, uh, you go to alberta.ca slash affordable, and there is an affordability uh, support line there, and that would be the best place to, to find assistance for your particular case. Um, there is a way to get the affordability payment uh, uh, to your relative. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so next, looks like we have a question for um, uh, possibly Minister Nixon uh, and or Minister Jones. Uh, Carol from Nanton is live on the line with her question. Hi, Carol. Go right ahead. Hi. I just, first, I'd just like to say I thank you all for working so hard. You've done very well with a lot of the issues that we're struggling with on a day-to-day basis. Um, I I kind of think you have answered the first question. I have two questions. The first question I had was, can people um, on AISH uh, receive the $500 rent rebate? That was the first question. And the second one I have, I know, I'm not sure if I have, we have a minister there that deals with children uh, in the school systems um, or if the, uh, we have um social services there, Minister. Um, But um, I've been struggling a bit with, uh, I have four grandchildren, um, and in two years, the last two years, they're all under the age of 10. Um, They have not attended uh, school. Two of them have not attended any school, Um, and one is nine and one is 10, and the other two are six and seven, um, have gone to school possibly two most as three days a week um, because mom can't get out of bed. And uh, I am, I have contacted Child Protection. I have sent an email to Daniel Smith and she did respond and sent me through to Child Protection again and I did file another complaint, but nothing seems to have happened and nothing is changing. And I'm wondering where I can go or who I can contact so that my children can, my grandchildren can be children and go to school and get an education. As we all know, um, this is the time they should be enjoying life and having friends and being having some supports um, through teachers and counselors and, you know, being able to be children. And I, I don't know where to go. Um, and I am, I guess, very frustrated with our system and our government. And as a grandma, I don't have any say when it comes to the court system. Carol, thank you. Sorry, thank you, Carol, for your your question. And I I do believe I answered the $500 rent rebate, but uh, maybe just to reiterate, just in case, uh, because I think it's worth noting, uh, folks with... um, uh, on AISH in our community at the time of the rebate was offered uh, made $20,244 a year and the cutoff was $20,000 a year. Uh, so I, I was very disappointed in the federal government leaving all Albertans with disabilities um, out of this and uh, have been uh, relentless in advocating to the federal government to try and get this fixed so that folks on, on AISH uh, in our community will be able to apply for this and, and get it. So please know I'm going to continue to to press on the federal governments to include all Albertans with disabilities for this. And then I'm going to pass it on to the Minister of Children's Services to answer your other question. Thank you very much, Carol, and thank you, Minister uh, Nixon, for uh, your, the first part of that. I, I do uh, share your concerns, Carol, in, in some of the things that you have uh, described to me. And certainly it is uh, 
you know, we, we, we want to, I want to make it clear that the safety and well-being of the children of this province are absolutely paramount uh, as it relates to children's services. Now, if you've had some challenges dealing with uh, Child Protective Services or anything of the like, I'm going to ask you to contact my office directly, and in fact, me directly, so that you can provide me with a little more background and I can follow up with it. Uh, my email is cs.minister at gov.ab.ca, and the phone number to the office is 780-644-5255. We certainly will look into it and take action where need be, and I want to assure you that if there's anything that we can do, we will take that action as quickly as possible. Thank you. Thank you, Minister Amory. Uh, next, we've got a question for Minister Nicolaides. It's a question submitted online from Sarah. The question is, I heard that there will be a tuition cap of 2% in place in the 2024 academic year. What will happen in the fall as universities could hike tuition? Sure. Thank you, Tana, uh, Tanya. And, uh, um, and Sarah, hi. Thank you for the, uh, for the question. It's uh, Dimitri Nicolaides, a Minister of Advanced Education. So... Um, there, there is a cap in place at the moment, uh, but it it allows for um, it allows for a lot of room. It allows for a lot of swings, and that's one of the reasons why today um, I, I wanted to I made the announcement to introduce uh, a, a revised tuition cap that will be a flat two percent. The way it works currently is that. Um, an institution, a university or college, is allowed to increase tuition by the rate of last year's CPI. So, uh, and of course, as you can uh, expect, we're, we're in a high inflationary environment, and uh, last year's CPI was, was calculated at 5.5%. So under the rules that exist uh, in legislation, universities have the flexibility to uh, increase tuition by that amount. Uh, but as we're seeing, uh, inflation is rising. The, uh, the uh, CPI index is, uh, is quite high. So that kind of unpredictability doesn't help our students and doesn't help families plan appropriately for the future. So moving forward, as you noted, in the 24-25 academic year and beyond, the, the cap will be set at a flat 2% regardless of what's happening uh, broadly in the economy. So uh, families and, and parents can, can really plan. Uh, you know, when, when it comes to the 23-24 academic year beginning this September, uh, the universities and colleges have the ability to increase tuition by as much as 5.5% under the current rules. Uh, that's ultimately their decision. Uh, I don't make those individual decisions for our universities and colleges. It's up to them to decide whether they will increase tuition and, and or by how much. Thank you, Minister. Um, okay, so next question is uh, for uh, Minister Amory. Uh, Barbara has then submitted a question online. When will daycares get their new agreements? Current plans end March 31st and can't make plans until we get the new contract. Thank you uh, once again, Tanya, for the question. The short answer to that is that 
child care providers can expect the agreements to arrive very, very quickly. I have directed the department to place a uh, rush on these to make sure that providers receive these in a timely manner. You can expect to receive them in the coming days or weeks. But I also want to uh, state, as I've stated in the past, I want to commit here at this town hall to anyone who is listening who is a child care provider that affordability funding will continue to flow past March 31st, and it will continue until the cost control framework is implemented. And that funding will flow uninterrupted once the new agreements are returned to us. And so the March 31st date is not the end of the affordability payments, but it was, uh, it will continue to flow thereafter. And we have committed to that, and I'm committing to that today. So I want all operators to rest assured that those uh, that funding will continue well past the March 31st date. Thank you. Thank you. So next we've got Ethel with a live question. So Ethel is from Calgary. Uh, go ahead with your question. Good afternoon. Good evening. My question is on inflation. Now you guys seem to be doing a great job, and I'm not going to, you know, condemn you in any way. Throwing money at a problem is helping it in the short term, but what in the long term are you doing to curb our inflation? A prime example of this would be uh, the price of flour has tripled. We're in the middle of wheat country. Why would our price of flour triple in price? Like that means bread and anything that's associated with flour has also now tripled in price. And, you know, uh, the cost of, I noticed the cost of oranges have gone up almost twice, if not two and two-thirds the price, and yet the price of pineapples and bananas have remained the same and consistent. Like, is it just our grocery stores gouging us, or what's happening with, what's causing this inflation, and what are we doing to get rid of this this hike in inflation. Thank you, Ethel. Uh, and you, you're highlighting uh, the same challenges we hear about every day from Albertans who, it seems every time they leave their home, they're experiencing new higher costs on their groceries, on their, on their gas, and, and virtually everything else. So first, inflation is a global issue. Um, we've got uh, commodity prices, geopolitical events, we've got supply and demand imbalances, and supply, supply chain issues uh, from post-pandemic. The good news is the supply chain issues are slowly uh, being resolved. Um, so what are we doing to reduce inflation? Uh, there's two measures in particular which help with inflation, and, and that's our fuel tax relief, which is saving Albertans 13.6 cents per litre, uh, including GST on gas and diesel. And we're also uh, uh, providing up to $500 in electricity rebates. Once again, those would be inflation-reducing measures. You made the point about spending. Um, so the good news is that, and this is from, uh, from reputable economists, Alberta's spending um, is not going to have any material impact on, on inflation. Um, um, spending at other levels, um, uh, particularly the federal level, is much more significant, um, and, and that is something that certainly governments should weigh uh, before spending uh, tremendous amounts of money that, that can have an effect on inflation. Um, we're also meeting with uh, grocery retailers to understand their challenges. They're having supply chain issues. They're having labor uh, cost increases. 
Uh, and, and actually, where there are supply chain issues, there are, uh, there's, there's shortages of product, and everybody wants it. And uh, the United States, to our south, and other Canadian jurisdictions, they all want the same food. And so that's why you're seeing certain products are, are much more expensive than they used to be. Um, but we are meeting with grocery re retailers to try to figure out how we can uh, remove barriers, red tape, or work with them uh, to lower the delivery cost of food. So thank you for your question. And it's another reason why we came forward with the affordability payments for seniors, for families with dependent children, lots of mouths to feed, and for vulnerable Albertans, because we know that uh, putting food on the table is very challenging these days. Thanks, Minister. Uh, so next we have uh, another live caller, James from Raymond, with a question for Minister Nicolaitis. Uh, hi, James. Go ahead with your question. I applaud the work that you've done to help students, but when you put a 2% uh, in inflation barrier for the universities, uh, they're uh, in trouble with funds already. Are you going to increase in some measure the government payments to the university to compensate for their increased costs, because their costs are increasing, and the quality of the education that those post-secondary students are going to get will go down with that 2% cap. Sure, um, uh, James, um, uh, thanks so much for your, for your important question. Um, yeah, just firstly, I, I think it's important to note um, uh, a few things, but first and foremost that uh, uh, our, our universities and colleges continue to do uh, in, incredibly well um, and continue to receive very high accolades and awards uh, amongst uh, national and international rankings. SAIT continues to, to lead Canada uh, as, as one of the top culinary schools in Canada and in the world. Um, I know several of our institutions, the UVA and the UFC and others, have, have increased in their rankings um, over the past few years in, in different areas. Uh, when, when it comes to uh, financial supports for, for students, excuse me, for, for universities in particular, uh, go, going back uh, several years ago, going back to 2019, um, as a province, we were providing a disproportionately higher amount of uh, financial support to universities and colleges than other comparator uh, provinces and other comparator jurisdictions. Um, but uh, as it stands today, you know, we still provide close to $2 billion every year of taxpayer uh, funding to support uh, our, our incredible and world-class post-secondary institutions. So that support continues. Uh, it, it's, a, it's an incredible investment that's made to support our universities and colleges. In addition, we have and will continue to make very targeted investments to strengthen and bolster our universities and colleges, as I mentioned a little while ago. In last year's budget, we announced that over three years, we would be allocating $171 million in new funding to create 10,000 additional spaces in high-demand programs, such as in healthcare, aviation, uh, tech, 
and uh, and more. So we're uh, as as you can see from previous action, uh, we're very open to making targeted investments to expand spaces to ensure our students are able to get into our world-class institutions. Uh, we continue to provide them with significant financial support, almost to the tune of, of $2 billion a year. Uh, and, uh, and the door is always open. Uh, I meet very frequently and regularly with our university and college presidents and uh, continue to chat with them about ways in which we can remove red tape, help them to become more innovative and entrepreneurial. And there are some ideas that we're working on with them, uh, uh, but we continue to have those, those conversations. Uh, thanks again, James. Thanks, Minister. Uh, next, we've got a question submitted online from Alice. Her question is, what is the government's plan on affordability, inflation after six months? Are there any other supports available? Yeah, great question, Alice. And that's one of the reasons we structured it as a six-month program, because we need to evaluate the, the state of inflation and cost of living over the period uh, so that we can respond appropriately at that time. Uh, it's, it's worth noting that many of these programs will persist beyond six months. For example, the fuel tax relief, which is currently fully suspended, 13.6 cents per litre off on gas and diesel, um, that's fully suspended until June of this year, after which the program continues, but it's based on WTI oil price triggers. So essentially, when oil prices are high, Albertans will continue to benefit uh, from their own resource through lower fuel taxes. Um, the natural gas price protection has also been made permanent. So uh, long after June, uh, if, if natural gas exceeds 650 a gigajoule, Albertans will receive an automatic rebate on their natural gas bills. Um, and then we've, we've made permanent indexing adjustments to Alberta's core support programs. Like Minister Jeremy Nixon noted, uh, core support, support programs will continue to increase year over year uh, with cost of living. And we've also made uh, uh, similar changes to Alberta's income tax brackets. So Albertans will continue to have larger uh, basic personal amounts and they'll pay less tax uh, to keep up with inflation. So uh, we will continue to evaluate cost of living and inflation and uh, respond appropriately, and many of these programs will persist to provide support. Thank you. Wonderful. Okay, next we have a question submitted by Chris in Calgary. He'd like us to read it. Where do you find out about util the utility rebate? How do you know if you qualify? Does the Government of Alberta utility commodity rebate include gas and electricity? Yeah, thank you for your question, Chris. If you want to learn about the rebate, I'd encourage you to go to alberta.ca slash affordable, and there is uh, sections of that website uh, that explain the electricity rebate and the natural gas rebate. Again, the electricity rebate, uh, it provides up to $500 in electricity rebates directly off eligible electricity bills, uh, and it, it averages about a $50 rebate per month. January and February's rebates are 75 so I'd encourage you to check your electricity bill and then you should see, a, uh, you'll likely see a credit line there from the government of Alberta in the amount of uh, 50 or $75. Um, natural gas rebates are also automatically applied to bills, and they will trigger uh, if the natural gas price in Alberta exceeds 650 a gigajoule. So uh, please uh, go to alberta.ca/affordable to learn about the utility rebates and, and all the other affordability measures. And also look at your bill, and uh, you'll likely see um, the electricity rebate coming off there. Thank you. Thanks, Minister. Uh, okay, next question we've got is a live caller, Susan from Calgary, with a question. Go ahead, Susan. 
Susan, you might be on mute. Maybe uh, try okay. unmuting yourself. Okay, sorry. That's okay. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, hi. Yeah. I just my question is about um, H recipients are receiving, you say, twenty or twenty-one thousand dollars a year. Plus, they get you know benefits like medical and prescriptions. People that are on CPP do not get any rebate from the Alberta government, um, which I find not fair because we don't earn even as much as the H recipients. Like you say, twenty twenty one thousand. Ours averages anywhere from eleven to fourteen thousand dollars a year. So it just seems really unfair that we're not receiving any rebates. Uh, Susan, thank you for your question. I believe your question was that basically why are CPP disability recipients in Alberta not included in the automatic affordability uh, of payments? And um, this is something that we are working uh, to do. Uh, we agree with you that, that CPP dis disability recipients should be, uh, should be included in the affordability payments. And in fact, uh, many are. 15,000 recipients of CPP disability are uh, receiving the, uh, the $600 over six months because they're also receiving other Alberta core support programs. Um, this is, CPP disability is a federal program, which is why it was not initially included in our, in our affordability uh, payment, automatic payments. But we are working right now on a way of adding them. And I will remind you that uh, to, to ensure that these payments uh, are tax-free, it does require legislative amendments. And we also, have to, um, uh, we also have to ensure program integrity. We have to ensure that the payments do go to the intended and eligible recipients, which obviously means we have to work with the, the federal government in this case at making sure we properly identify and pay those recipients. But thank you for raising this. It is a priority for our government. And Minister Jeremy Nixon would like to supplement. Yeah, I, I appreciate your concern, and, and as Minister Jones noted, it, this is a federal program, so a little bit outside of our control, but what we, um, if you are 65 plus, you do and are eligible for payments, and uh, we do have the Alberta Seniors Benefit uh, as well, which has in, uh, seen an increase with um, uh, this package, so that's uh, seen a 6% increase, and it's also been indexed, so it will increase uh, year over year uh, with the Consumer Price Index, so uh, yes. Thanks, Minister. Uh, okay, next question is an online question submitted by Alka. The question is, what will the cost control framework look like for private operators who have used private funds to open centres? Thank you uh, once again, mm -hmm. Alka, and thank you, uh, Titania, for presenting that question. When we took the approach that we took with our federal counterparts, we took the position that Alberta parents should have absolutely as much choice as possible when it came to choosing childcare options to meet their family needs. And what that really meant was that we wanted to uh, ensure that all operators in this province, both not-for-profit and private operators, would be eligible for funding through our Made in Alberta childcare plan. What that uh, essentially looked like was our uh, commitment to ensuring that private programs were included in the funding available through the bilateral provincial-federal agreement because we believe that uh, private operators are a fundamental part of delivering childcare in this province. The cost control framework is, going to, is, is being developed to help address 
some of the uh, pressures on our childcare operators and find a way to respond to a number of different factors as they uh, exist in this province and in different regions of our province. And so what that specifically means is that the framework will look to address the challenges uh, taking into consideration things like regional differences or workforce challenges or inflationary uh, increases and work on uh, addressing those through targeted uh, regional uh, supports to operators. The, the, the cost control framework doesn't differentiate in that support between private operators and not-for-profit operators because we are looking to support all operators in this province and indeed the 60% um, of this uh, of childcare in this province is delivered by our private operators, and so we will not waver in supporting that area as well as our not-for-profits to make sure that our program is complete and thorough and delivers childcare throughout this province to all children. Thank you. Thanks, Minister. Um, so the next uh, caller, we have a live caller, Paul from Calgary. Hi, Paul. Go ahead with your question. Uh, Paul, I'm not sure if you're still there. You, could, you might be on mute. Okay, you know what? We, we might have lost Paul. Um, I think, uh, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead with, I've got a, a, a synopsis of his question here. It's related to the $100 a month. $100 a month is not enough. Can more be done to address um, the increase in food prices? Well, Paul, I, I hope you're still listening. Um, absolutely. Uh, we agree that more needs to be done, and that's why we've come forward with a number of measures. So the $100 affordability payments, uh, 600 over six months, is one measure. Again, we're also uh, providing up to $500 in electricity rebates and 13.6 cents per liter off gas and diesel. diesel. And just to give you some perspective, um, you know, if you drive a truck for six months, that's over $400 in potential fuel tax savings. For a car, it's around 250 or 200 so there's real savings there as well. We've also uh, reduced income taxes, and uh, we've put a freeze on future auto insurance rate increases. So there's, there's a number of programs that Albertans are benefiting from, um, and, and we'll continue to evaluate more ways that we can provide inflation relief and affordability support to Albertans. We also, sorry, Minister Nixon here, we, we also want to make sure that people who are in an immediate crisis uh, have access to, to food that nobody's going hungry. And uh, that's why for the first time in provincial history, our government has put money towards food banks as well as cultural and community groups that are uh, designed to help address food scarcity issues in their communities. So um, by putting $10 million this year and $10 million next year, uh, we are working towards making sure that uh, all Albertans um, have food uh, on their table. Thank you. Mr. Nicolaitis wanted to add to that. Oh, thank you. Microphone is on now. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Uh, next question is for Minister Nicolaitis. It is a live caller, uh, Ralph from Calgary. Hi, Ralph. Go ahead with your question for minister, the minister. Uh, hi. Good evening. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, my call is about uh, uh, the Minister of Education, I guess. So my son, he is uh, born here. And uh, he wants to get into nursing, and he is a really good student. He got 95%. But seems like I appreciate what government is doing to take uh, more internationally trained nurses. But looks like the people who are born here they are at a disadvantage. So he got 95%. He tried in the uh, University of Calgary. He tried in Montreal, but seems like that's not enough. 
is the government doing going to do something so that people who are born in Canada they have more opportunity to get admission since we are in short of a lot of nurses and seem like a lot of kids they can't get admission and they are really really good students and a lot of my friends they are sending their kids back home they said they can get education there come back and get certification process can you please address that thank you yeah, Ralph, uh, I, I'd be happy to. Thank you so much for, for calling in. Thank you for your question. Um, the, the real short answer is uh, we're, uh, we're moving on it. You know, it, it's something that uh, I do hear about. I hear about from parents, and when I talk to our university presidents, um, I hear about the, the very high admission rates that we have for some of our nursing programs, and uh, I hear about the fact that we have to turn away two to three qualified applicants for every one that we admit. And I agree, that's a problem. Uh, that shouldn't be happening. And that's exactly the reason why in last year's budget, we announced that we would be investing $171 million over three years to create 10,000 additional spaces in uh, high-demand programs. This is, uh, this is the largest targeted expansion of seats in Alberta history. And in, with uh, nursing in particular, um, under that $171 million, uh, we're, we're creating almost 1,400 new nursing spaces uh, across the province. So there's, there's still more that we need to do, but th this was uh, action that we took last year, so the ball is already moving. Uh, and uh, over the years, of course, it'll just continue to add on, and, and we'll have uh, more and more spaces come online over the next couple of years. But new spaces came online as early as this, this September, uh, but uh, as, as more and more, as uh, additional years go by, more spaces will become available as well. So thank you for that important question. We're on it, uh, and uh, we're, we're taking measure to help address that. Thank you so much, Minister. And we've got time, I think, for just a couple more questions. Uh, next, we have a live uh, caller, Rasha. Hi, Rasha. Go ahead with your question. Hello, good evening. Uh, my name is Rasha, and I'm from Edmonton. I have two questions. The first is about the student loan. I'm not quite sure how to know more about the forgiveness uh, program. I can read more into the BC, but there isn't much of a guide in it for the Alberta. Um, my second question is for Mr. Amory. Somewhere around like 2021 and 2022, I called the licensing to ask about what I need to open a daycare. And they mentioned the new daycares aren't eligible for subsidies. Only non-profit daycares and whoever were operating before this announcement. And that's why I myself didn't proceed in opening my own daycare. Is Alberta going to do any changes regarding this new daycare? Or will it be more eligible for subsidies anytime soon? Uh, Rasha, hi. It's uh, Dimitri Nikolaides, uh, Minister of Advanced Education. Uh, I'll, I'll tackle your, your first question. Um, I think you were asking specifically about um, accessing some of the student loan repayment assistance programs. Um, just, uh, just send my office an email. Uh, I'm at AE, AE for Advanced Education, AE.minister at gov.ab.ca. 
um, uh, or if you just look it up online, if you just Google Ministry of Advanced Education, you'll be able to find the details there. Just shoot me an email, and uh, the incredible folks at Alberta Student uh, Aid will uh, get you those details on uh, the repayment, the student loan repayment assistance program, and uh, and provide you with more clarification. I'll turn it over now as well to uh, Minister Amory to answer your question on on childcare. All the best, Russia. Thank you uh, for the question, Russia. When I think the question that I heard from you is whether or not uh, private daycare operators would be eligible under the uh, the bilateral provincial federal agreement to begin setting up and operating in this province. And I'm pleased to report that the answer to that is yes. We just recently made a landmark announcement where we uh, we, we announced the cost control framework model and we uh, we announced 22,500 additional private daycare spaces that are available under the agreement that we uh, we, we recently signed. And as part of uh, working with uh, our federal counterparts and uh, developing a Made in Alberta plan, the daycare operators, whether they are for-profit or not-for-profit, will be eligible for daycare subsidies and, and assistance uh, under this new agreement framework. One of the challenges that we've had with working with our federal counterparts in the past was that private operators were, were not included in the bilateral agreement, and that was one of the things that Alberta was not prepared to waiver on. And so with the new announcement that just happened a couple of weeks ago, we immediately released uh, 1,600 new spaces, private spaces, for operators who are ready to begin operating almost immediately. And we have many more who are being processed and in the queue, and we are continuing to process those who are eligible and ready to go. At, so in order to answer your question once again, private operators are now eligible for the subsidies under the provincial federal bilateral agreement, and that has given room for many more private operators to begin setting up shop in this province. Thank you, Minister. And wow, that uh, hour and a half went by very quickly. We're at the 8 o'clock mark. I am going to pass it over to Minister Jones to make some uh, closing comments. Thank you to everyone for your questions and participation, uh, all the ministers involved and the Albertans on the line. Minister Jones, over to you. Uh, thank you, Emily, for, and thank you, everybody, for participating in this great discussion. Um, there are many demands on your time, and we appreciate you making the time uh, to join us today. And this isn't the end of our discussion. So if you have any feedback on our affordability measures uh, or on, on ideas that we can consider to provide future relief for Albertans, then please reach out. Uh, I, would, I would encourage you to go to alberta.ca slash affordable to learn more about each of these initiatives. And then you can also look up any of our ministries, so the Ministry of Affordability and Utilities, the Ministry of Children's Services, Ministry of Advanced Education, or the Ministry of Seniors, Community and Social Services. And you can email any questions that you have about these programs or anything that these ministries do, and we'll be sure to get back to you. So thank you again for taking the time. And uh, we're going to do everything we can to keep Alberta affordable. So thank you very much. And just a final comment before we say goodnight, for those of you that are interested in leaving a voicemail with your question, please stay on the line after the call ends. You'll be prompted uh, for the option to leave a voicemail with your question if you'd like. Thank you so much, everyone. Good night and be well.